What happens when a Catholic deacon matches wits with a Catholic radio show host? You get a marriage made in heaven. They may not always agree, but they're always faithful. It's the Akins with their view from the pew on Modern Day Radio. And welcome to this episode of View from the Pew. I am your host, Brenda Aiken, and joining me today is the man who likes to drive fast cars through the Columbia River Gorge, the good deacon, Scott Aiken. I just have one fast car, and that's yours. So I like <laughs> that's to drive right. your car fast. <laughs> My I, truck is not a speed demon of any of any sort, so... No, not particularly, but it can definitely haul a whole lot more than my Audi can. Uh, But you drive my car in a way that I never would. I'm very easy on my car. I just kind of like to cruise along. You, on the other hand, said that my car was built to go around the corners fast, and it makes me a little bit uneasy. So you always hear about the little old lady from Pasadena, that that kind of car. I appreciate her. Right. Well, I, I never hear about the little old man from Pasadena because he drives fast, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, it was a beautiful weekend here in the Pacific Northwest. We took a drive into the gorge. We are blessed to live where we are because the beauty of that gorge area is just the sights are incredible. And we took a drive out to a small town in Stevenson. We had a meal. We, we needed a little time away. We had a little bit of a difficult week, just challenging. Not that it was difficult, but there are challenges constantly that are trying to disrupt our peace. And and we just needed a, a little bit of a break from those challenges uh, because my uh, best effort to tackle challenges is sometimes to avoid these things. And after I've just had enough of the challenge, I just said, that's it. What can I control? The mess. And and I went into avoidance mode and I spent an afternoon cleaning up the house like it had never been clean before. And uh, it was just a way for me to avoid that. But you, you reminded me when you took me out, it's like, we still need to deal with challenges. You know, I, think, I don't think we ever grow out of the need for some sense of control. And we learned that as a child. Uh, we can control our environment from how we affect uh, through our crying as a child. Like we respond to our kids when they're hungry, when they're thirsty, when their diaper needs to be changed. Now they're much more older than that. Now I have to respond to them every time I, I go to open the refrigerator, cook, cook something for myself, all the kids come around. But it's this aspect of what can I control? And I think for you, one of those key areas that gives you a sense of, of balance is, is cleaning the house. And boy, I told you, <laughs> I said, this, this, this was like your mom came in. I could, I could smell the pine saw. It was just like fresh and it just brought back all kinds of memories. We haven't had that in a while because <clears throat> we have a lot of, like you said, a busy life on both, both sides for you and I and, and our kids and they're all young adults. So uh, anyhow, it was great that you did that. I thought, but uh, it's also great that we had an opportunity on a Saturday for just you and I. Right. Let's go out and and see what we have in our backyard. I think that's one of the great things of being in the Northwest is we can go where where people will come for thousands of miles to visit, and we're just down the road. And we stood looking out over the gorge. What a beautiful sight. As we got to our destination, we stopped and we had just a very nice meal out on this patio. And something that we learned many years ago when we went to Rome and then we followed it up with a trip to Portugal years later is the care they take when having a meal. And it's just kind of a habit that we know that it's when you and I and we want to enjoy each other's time. First of all, we put the phones away. 
right? We sit across from each other so that way we look at each other in the face. And we start with a drink and an appetizer. But we don't order a meal yet. And we just chat and talk over our drink and our appetizer. And then as we get kind of towards the end, we think, well, what should we add to what we have done? And what we do is we can stretch a meal really into a couple of hours of just FaceTime. It's an excellent way that Europeans eat meals. Here in the United States, we tend to, you know, pick what we want, order our food, eat, and move on to the next thing. We need to slow that meal down for sure. Yeah, I can certainly feel the uh, the waiter kind of pressing us that I got to turn the table. Mm-hmm. I got to turn the table. And, you know, that's kind of the, the American way is you go into, like you said, sit in a restaurant, get your food fast, finish up within 15 minutes, turn that table to somebody else. Well, boy, that was really a stark contrast in, in Europe to see the, the care and the, and the ease. So, yeah, when we I remember he came up and asked us, are you ready to order? No, we're just going to take our time. He came back up and asked again. And there was a concern that he had, like, wow, this is out of the ordinary. <laughs> uh, by the you. end, by the end of our meal, though, we had a great conversation with him that really opened him up that he might not otherwise have, you know, have done had we not been there for the two hours that we were there. That's right. It, it was it was great. Now, we would be considered if it was a very busy day and people were waiting for their meals to come in and sit down, we necessarily would not have done that. But it was a, an easy early afternoon. There were plenty of tables available. So we just took our time for all of you parents out there. Yeah. See if you can plan that plan a, a babysitter and just early in the afternoon, go for an early dinner and sit across from each other and just enjoy a long meal. It just, it, it, it's one of our favorite things and, and hopefully a long-term tradition that will carry back from our vacations. Well, Scott, throughout our marriage, it's the way that love is set up. You and I stand in solidarity with each other. Whatever the big decision is, we come to that decision and and we're in it together. It's kind of an, the idea of, of solidarity. Well, on today's show, I have a great opportunity to talk with Michael Davis. He's one of the producers here at Mater Day Radio who's created his own podcast. It's a standalone podcast that you can get on our webpage and also the Hail Mary media app, but it's called Common Sense on Social Justice. And I had a great discussion with Michael about three elements of social concern that the church is concerned about. So I have that opportunity to talk with him today. And after that, we'll talk a bit about how those really relate to the family life and how our society is bolstered by the family experience. So we got a great show ahead for you on this week's View from the Pew. Stay with us. In Matthew 13, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a pearl of great price that a merchant would sell everything he has to buy. You know, if you think about it, God loves you that way. You're his pearl of great price. He gave everything for you. And he wants you to love him and other people the same way. The pearl of great price costs you. You know, of all the crazy things that came out of the sexual revolution, the dumbest is the notion of free love, a love that doesn't cost you anything. 
I prefer real love. Real love binds itself to the beloved. Real love demands the sacrifice of your time, your attention, your self-centeredness, your thinking. Real love leads to vocations and vows that bind you to priesthood or religious life or marriage. Real love leads to committed and rewarding friendships. It makes us fathers, brothers, spouses. It makes us human. Real love's the path to real life. And while it's anything but free, it's also the only path to real freedom. This is Chris Stefanik from Real Life Catholic. One of the many ways you can help Mater Day Radio is by supporting our Leadership Circle members. These are businesses and organizations whose names you hear on the air every day. They believe in our mission of providing the region with positive Catholic radio programs. Our Leadership Circle members keep our broadcast strong through their financial generosity. How can you find out more about our Leadership Circle members? Go to our website at materdayradio.com and click on the Get Involved menu. You'll be learning about a great group of people. Family life can be hectic, but God can be found right in the middle of it. So take a moment for this week's View from the Pew. Well, it's time once again to have a common sense discussion on social justice here at Mater Day Radio in our standalone podcast every week. Michael Davis brings together his show Common Sense on Social Justice, and it's a fresh perspective to creating a just society. Michael has a new podcast out and he's joining us today to tell us a little bit more about it. Good morning, Michael. Thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, good morning. Thank you for having me here. Well, Michael, a couple of weeks ago, you joined the Morning Blend. You talked to us a little bit about this compendium on social doctrine. Remind our listeners a little bit about it and how you base your podcast on what's in the book. Yeah, so we've got the Catechism of the Church, which basically details what we believe as Catholics. Well, uh, the compendium of the social doctrine of the Church details what the Church teaches on social justice issues. And so uh, with these podcasts for now 13 weeks, I talk on a lot of issues, but I decided to dedicate going through from end to end this compendium. And it's going to take a long time to do it, but for about 13 weeks now, we've been building the foundation of the first four chapters uh, of this. Well, I encourage our listeners to definitely go to our webpage because we're going to get you caught up with all of his past episodes. You're going to find them under the programming menu. Of course, you're also going to find it on the Hail Mary Media app. Well, you've been doing this for 13 weeks now. In 13 weeks, you've managed to get to chapter four. Yes. I can understand why you say this is going to take you a little bit of time. So tell our listeners what this podcast is about this week. Yeah, so this week we co did cover chapter four, which uh, talks about the three elements of a just society, which are subsidiarity, solidarity, and love. And we defined those. We looked at how some problems around those and how we actually live it out. Michael, I would say just on the surface, looking at those three, most people would go, oh, yeah, that's me. I, I'm right in there. But you dive a little bit deeper. And when we actually talk about each one of these, yeah, I think many of us will say I'm I'm nowhere near there. So let's break open each one of these. Let's talk with subsidiarity. What do we understand that means and how within our Catholic faith are we called to be that? Okay. This was the toughest one just because I was uh, scared throughout the episode that I would mispronounce it constantly. <laughs> it's a tough word, but subsidiarity. Yeah, it 
What it is, is the idea that, for example, if a corporation wants to do a major project and they need to subcontract out to smaller groups to accomplish the tasks, that those smaller groups are given the equal opportunity to be fully involved in the project, but to also be fully compensated. And one of the problems we run into is all the money tends towards the top. And the people on the ground level that are really getting the work done are compensated very little and left to struggle, almost like dogs fighting over a bone. And so we uh, are attempting in this episode to get back to an understanding of what it looks like for equal opportunity and equal compensation uh, for people. And, And subsidiarity really tends towards employment things. This is one that has more of a specific social, you know, justice thing. Subsidiarity isn't so much involved in like sex trafficking and those types of just issues. It's more around where there's a need for more equality for people's needs to be met. Michael Davis is joining us today. His podcast you can find on Mater Day Radio is Common Sense on Social Justice. We are covering Chapter 4 of the Compendium on Social Doctrine. So the second aspect, uh, one of the three pillars we'll say, is solidarity, standing with one another. Michael, you were explaining to me that while we think we stand with other people, not exactly what we're doing. So tell us what we're getting wrong on this. This is where it gets really tough and where I start challenging things a bit with people. So around my neighborhood, as I walk in the evenings, I will see people with signs in their front yard that says, I stand with Ukraine. It's like, no, you don't. You're sitting in your living room. In America, solidarity would demand that you move to Ukraine and truly stand with Ukraine. Uh, So, for example, I I talked to a gentleman who was a refugee from Ukraine. Uh, He just came here two weeks ago to the Portland metro area. And he was explaining, for example, that with the work with the homeless there is very, very difficult. And now there's, of course, millions of homeless because of the war. There's no programs, no government programs, no agencies to help. So you have to do it from your own paycheck if you want to help another homeless individual. Hmm. So in other words, standing with somebody, solidarity demands I'm actually identifying with the group I'm serving. So like Mother Teresa, she didn't serve the lepers in India. She identified with them by actually moving into the streets of Calcutta And through that, she became one with them. Are there ways within our own neighborhoods, meaning that we can't look at the whole world or even the whole city, but is there a way that we can be in solidarity just within our own neighborhoods to those suffering? Yes. And I'm glad you brought that up because the the basis of this podcast is that we do everything at the neighborhood level. And say, and we connect neighborhoods together for really big injustices. But let's say you've got a couple homeless individuals that you see pushing their shopping carts through your neighborhood and you see them every day. Why not just become friends with them? And then from that friendship, say, "Mm, what can we do together to help your situation? And if you see uh, people harassing them, you defend them and and, uh, you have their back. So that's what you're identifying with them. All right. And then the final aspect we're going to talk about today, well, it's love. Now that seems quite simple, but you know, (laughs) if we're going by the past two items that we just talked about, 
Well, love is no easy thing either. Tell us why that's an important part of this. Yeah, if you read uh, St. Paul's uh, essay on love in 1 Corinthians 13, there's nothing romantic about it. It's tough. And love, what love does, says, I am going to will the good of this other person, and I'm willing to risk my reputation and my life for their good. And so we have examples of this. For example, Jesus obviously risked his life and his reputation for us, but Gandhi did the same thing in India. Um, uh, Martin Luther King Jr., he risked his reputation and his life for his love for people. And it wasn't just the black population, because if you read or listen to all of of uh, Martin Luther King Jr. speeches, even the short speeches, he constantly demanded that we love and defend white people as much as we do black people, because he says everybody is brothers and sisters. And so love really means I don't get a good feeling out of this. And I know in my own experience and working with uh, the homeless population, most of the time I'm crying, I'm weeping, I'm brokenhearted, and I'm exhausted no good feeling there, but it's okay because that's the demand of love. I'm doing this for them, not for myself. Oh, just talking with you, Michael, just kind of brings to mind. I understand. I understand and know that I love my husband. Mm -hmm. And that means to me that his needs mm -hmm. are put above my own. Mm -hmm. right? Correct. But it's funny. I don't know that I ever think about that for other people. Do I love my neighbor? Yes. Do I put their needs above my own? Yeah, <laughs> hardly ever. So these Correct. are great discussions. Yeah. It's a great episode. We are looking forward to hearing more about it. You yeah. spend quite a bit of time and you really, we've touched on each one of these. You go into them quite a bit deeper. So thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for this new episode. Yeah, for sure. And thank you for having me. It's a joy. And again, that is Michael Davis. So his podcast is Common Sense on Social Justice. You're going to find it under the programming menu on our webpage, materdayradio.com. But better yet, just download the Hail Mary Media app. You can plug that right into your car on your way home. Maybe get caught up on the first three chapters of the compendium with Michael Davis. You can find all that information at materdayradio.com and, of course, the Hail Mary media app. If you ever find yourself stuck in the middle of the sea, I'll sail the world to find you. Find out what we're made of when we are called to help our friends in need. You can't count on me. I've had a couple of weeks now to be able to talk with Michael Davis. And the one thing that I'm starting to learn as a Catholic, especially with the social doctrine that the church has provided within this compendium is I, I don't think that I do quite enough. I mean, I do what I can, but what the church is really getting at is, is they're far deeper than just what we think about we should be doing on the surface. Now, as us raising a family right now, well, that that is where our focus should be. But now as we get older and we have more time available, I think that it's available for us to be able to look at these different elements, look at this document and go, what can I do? What can I do more? As a deacon, 
that's all about your vocation. Right. And and the tenets of Catholic social teaching are really rooted in activation. That that our call through our baptism, affirmed by our confirmation, reaffirmed weekly by the reception of the of the Eucharist, uh, it it is um, it is to to give us the strength spiritually that we need to be active, and so Catholic social teaching is reminding us what what is your direction for your activity, and so trying to be aware. As Christ said to the disciples and the disciples, how come you aren't telling this to everybody? How come you're telling this just to us? He said, because they don't have the eyes to see or the ears to hear. Mm. They they may grow into that, but right now you have the eyes to see and the ears to hear. And I'm calling you as my disciples to help me to spread this good news. The good news is that I am with you. And how is Christ with us? Most presently through my hands and my feet and my care yours and mine, the listeners on, on this radio station today. It's a, it's a matter of engaging Christ within us, which is why we go to Mass every Sunday, to receive the Eucharist, so that we can engage in the good work, which is the tenets of Catholic social teaching. We are to care for others like Christ cares for others. We are to serve others like Christ serves others. And we learn that, I think, most pointedly in family. Now, granted, there's there's levels of dysfunctionality in families, but the the underpinning of family within the Catholic Church's view is to learn how to be in community. So that's why it's so vital that we aren't just we aren't just uh, raised in isolation of one another and then thrown into a society. And we're raised in this society called family, first and foremost. In that, you have an opportunity to teach your children about these aspects of Catholic social teaching. Doesn't mean we're here to solve those problems, but we're to be active in being part of that solution that Christ is the solver. Christ is going to solve this through us, but not against our will, with our will intact. I liked what Michael had to say about standing in solidarity and and how we say, oh, we stand with this group or we stand with that group. But, you know, we're not also called to sell everything we have and go fight in the streets of Ukraine or to go to uh, Calcutta and serve with the sisters, uh, you know, the poorest of the poor, like Mother Teresa did. But we are called to act right where we are. And that's what's great about Michael's show is that it's at the neighborhood level right here that's around us that's where we can make change now we have done it in little ways with our children we have participated in uh winter overflow shelters and brought them you know where there were other families families that didn't have a place to sleep and i think that's where they realize that wait what do you mean they they're they don't have a place to sleep i mean it's like they don't they're in transition something has happened and we're called to to put effort towards that. It's in those little ways that that you can begin to teach your kids in small ways. The ways that you say, you know, you give up things if if you have if you have more than one, well, then share that. They share it within themselves, hopefully with their brothers and sisters first, right? That's where they're learning it, and then they can take those skills and learn them in bigger ways. Right. I think it's it, that's the revelatory aspect of our life, that things that we learned and took for granted maybe as a child, 
reveal themselves in a much more powerful way as adults. Because we have then as an adult, the ability to be responsible for our actions and to be aware of our will, my will as an adult. As a child, you don't necessarily have that sense, but you learn within a family, okay, what what is that? And when that revelatory moment happens for a, a young adult who suddenly realizes I have the ability and I have the responsibility to care for my neighbor, to care for those that I'm seeing on TV, how do I do that? Well, first and foremost and always, it's to turn to prayer, to turn to prayer and ask God, how do you want me to act? Help me to be the vessel to act today to the best of my ability. And in that, help me to be merciful, but be mindful. Because I think sometimes people get, when they look at the issues like we faced here in Portland mm. and Vancouver of late of the of the tremendous amount of homelessness and 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 disparity of economy that's occurring, it's easy to despair. And for people to go, you know, I just can't plug into this. I don't know where to plug into it. Well, it's not like picking up the phone book as of old or looking on your phone to figure out necessarily where do I plug in at. I think as Catholics, we, and we teach our kids this, need to turn to ask God first. Where can I plug into where you want to be a, me to be effective for you? And for the person. And it's, um, I want to make a distinction here too, that so many times people might get wrapped up in the sense of, I want to, I'm doing this because I want to feel better about myself. And that's just, there's a natural human tendency, I, I think, but that's not the reason why we do Catholic social teaching. Even though that's an understandable human, human experience, I'm offering this help because I want to feel better about myself. That should not be the driver. And I think oftentimes charity, uh, support like we're talking about, is given in a way that, that is, if I feel good, if it makes me feel good reciprocally, then um, I'll continue to do it. Well, if you've stood in a food line handing out food, people will take food from me and they might take it gruffly from you, not thankful in the least. Does that mean that it wasn't right? No, it was right. You gave them the food. They need the food. The benefit back to you is not the focus. God gives you plenty of that if you're open to it. And, you know, after talking with Michael, when he talked about the third tenet of being love, I loved what he said. It's love isn't that romantic feeling, but it is the willing of the good of the other. And if you keep that in mind, well, then that helps you through kind of those gruffnesses or those those difficult situations we kind of sometimes have to experience when we're trying to do our best, trying to will the good of the other and just accept that maybe as a way to help carry their burden and uh, continue to do the good work. Scott, before we go, will you end us in a prayer? Yes. Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to think about these aspects of life that can be hard can be even anxiety ridden. Help us to not be anxious though as we hear these descriptions of our responsibility to care for the other. Help us to see the other, to hear the other, whoever that might be this week, and give us strength to trust in you that you will guide us and in the guiding that we will be fulfilled with joy and peace, not as a feeling, but as an a knowing that you give us through the grace you pour out upon us. We ask all this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. 
And that is going to wrap it up for us this week. Please tune in next week as we share with you more stories about our faith, our family, and our view from the pew. God bless and have a great week. You've been listening to View from the Pew, a weekly look at faith and family life from a Catholic perspective with Deacon Scott and Brenda Aiken. For more information on the Aikens and to listen to an archive of their previous shows, visit them online at moderndayradio.com slash pew. View from the Pew is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon.